The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Yes, we're recording. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Reclaimed, the podcast that... Hi, my name is William Bibiani. <laughs> I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Colon, the podcast. Uh, hi, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, uh, I too, am a film critic. And um, golly, our listeners really love the year 1997. For some reason. Because we also recently, uh, on this very podcast, Critically Reclaimed, talk about Hercules, oh, yeah. the, the animated film from that year. Yeah, it was a big and, year in 1997. Uh, we also, at some point, talked about Kazam, oh, which God. I believe was, was either was 90, 96 or 97. It was the 90s. Uh, people like the 90s. The 90s were a halcyon era. Uh, the problem is the the people who are uh, voting on these fondly remember films like uh, Kazam yes. and Hercules and the film we're talking about today. Uh, they're clearly younger than I. Mm-hmm. They grew because, up watching these. Uh, I saw this yeah, for the first I, uh, time when we were kids. Yeah, I, I was in college mm-hmm. by the time this movie came out, so I didn't see it until now. All right. Well, we should we should we should introduce the premise of the podcast real fast. Oh, okay. Kind of jumped. You kind of you kind of lapped me for a minute. Hi. So we're critics, and we do podcasts over at the Critically Acclaimed mm-hmm. Network. That's where you are. Uh, and uh, here's how it works. Uh, we have on our Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash Critically Acclaimed Network. Uh, we have a poll every single episode of Critically Reclaimed where we pick a streaming service and we pick an older film in the streaming service that one or both of us haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And then we let our patrons vote for which one of those we should review on any given week. So we're exploring something that a lot of people are going to have history with, but at least one of us does not. And uh, wow, your refrigerator is loud. Yeah, that's that's okay. uh, that's that's my fridge. They, that's my guess. Um, okay. My fridge knows a lot about movies too. Thanks, fridge. Most, mostly movies about food. Yeah, it's uh, little, which we're talking about today. It's a cold so reception. It's, it's very uh, very fitting. Uh, so uh, so yeah. So if you want to join in, if you want to vote, and you if you don't want more movies from 1997, uh, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Critically Acclaimed Network and join up. Any tier gives you an opportunity to vote uh, for future episodes of Critically Reclaimed. Uh, this time we were looking at family films on Netflix. Uh, of which there is there are quite a few, quite a few uh, quite family a few, uh, films. The, uh, quite a few, but nothing. Um, I would say nothing popular. Not a lot of note. Well, not uh, that we hadn't uh, seen that we had, like, well, like yeah. super popular. Like they're like really big movies. They had some, but mostly it's stuff that you and I are familiar with. Yeah, there. Uh, but there's like a huge pile of what used to just be straight to video stuff at our at the video store. A lot of back stuff back in our day, back yeah. in 1997. Uh, kids and, hanging out with dogs. A lot of international films that have been dubbed in English. Well, uh, not, you know, nothing wrong with that. But regardless, yeah. there's not necessarily a lot of like significant or culturally uh, established films that we hadn't seen. But we were able to find four. And the winner uh, is a film that was a modest hit in 1997. And it launched at least one successful uh, comedy career. Uh, but although I think it has a, it's fair to say it has a cult following now. It's not a particularly big film anymore. So yeah. let's talk about the 1997 Nickelodeon film, Good Burger. Oh, hey, Keenan and Kale here. We're doing some very important research for our new Nickelodeon movie. Oh, yeah, very important. Uh, you know, pacifies. It's called Good Burger. And we're the fire. And it's coming your way real soon. Hey, waiter, I'll bring some more research. Yeah, some more fries, too. Paramount Pictures presents a Nickelodeon movie, Good Burger, starring our very own Keenan and Kel. Coming this summer to a theater near you. Welcome to Good Burger, <laughs> home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Uh, Good Burger uh, spun off of a sketch comedy show that I was not at all familiar with. Yeah. I didn't have Nickelodeon growing up. Oh, wow. <clears throat> I didn't have any cable TV growing up, so I... I have a completely different experience than you, I, I dear grew listener. Up, I grew up with Nickelodeon. I remember when Nickelodeon first got started, they had almost no original programming. It was mm. almost all syndicated stuff, or they would try to get, like, cartoons from other countries. Oh, yeah. Like, they'd uh, have well, Maya the Bee, or they'd have whatever this... There's one weird one with koalas that I never... Qu- quickie Koala? Was it Quickie Koala? I don't know. Like, mm. uh, it was... I'm trying to remember... The thing's on with something like 
bum, 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 koalas on the move. The fun oh, will never um, end. That's not Quickie Koala. Yeah. Um, I know what you're talking about, yeah. though. Like, that, that's ringing some weird yeah. bells. They had David the Gnome, uh, which was a European cartoon that got dubbed English. And that one was kind of cool because it was about a gnome. And he was an action hero, but he was a veterinarian. And I thought that was kind of a neat thing, even as a kid. I was like, oh, there are a lot of TV shows about um, veterinarians. That's that's kind of cool. You are yeah. thinking of... Yes. Uh, the Wondrous Koala Blinky Noozles, which okay. is a Japanese show from 1984. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I believe that was uh, one that was... Uh, distributed right. in, in the United States on Nickelodeon they like, also back had, in like the late 80s. My first introduction to anime was on this as well. I, mean, I guess that was anime too, but yeah. like more conventional, what we think of stylistically as anime. Uh, they had a uh, Grimm's Fairy Tales oh, yeah. anthology yeah. series, and those were cool, actually. Those mm. were really well done. for the, those, I've seen a few yeah. of them since. They hold up. The early days of Nickelodeon, uh, yeah, was mostly it was Canadian shows a lot. Uh, yeah, you, you can't, can't do, do that, that on television. Television was awesome. Uh, you can't do that on, on television. Kind of dominates the Nickelodeon aesthetic almost to this day. Yeah, the whole green slime thing came from you can't do that on television. You can't do that on television was a kids sketch comedy series from Canada, co-starring Alanis Morissette, like long before she became <laughs> a big deal. Um, and uh, it was kind of based a lot on laughing, a lot of random sketches, a lot mm. of variations on the same sketch over and over again. Uh, but one of the gags was anytime someone said the word water, they would splash them with water. And anytime mm. someone said, I don't know, and they were always trying to trick each other into saying mm. it, they would get doused in green slime. It would just pour from the ceiling on their heads. The sketches oh. in... in you can't do that on television. You can't. That was actually a pretty accurately named show. There was a recurring sketch on that about a young kid, like thirteen or fourteen, about to be shot by a firing squad and trying to talk his way out of it. That oh. was in every episode. <laughs> that was weird. Children, children executing each other, like yeah. you do on for comedy reasons. Yeah, uh, clearly taking their cues from like Mad Magazine and stuff. Yeah, um, but. Uh, this is not a spun off of You Can't Do It on, on Television. This was from a, a later show called All That. Yeah. Uh, this, which, yeah. yeah, I'm not at all familiar I with. I watched a little of it. I was kind of aged out of it. I wasn't quite in the demographic when that show came on. But uh, there was let this me look whole... look up the dates. On, uh, all That started in 94. Uh, yeah. There was this whole wave of Nickelodeon live action shows, many of which were game shows. Double Dare was a good example. Mm. Um, where everything was just... The idea was some sort of sublime chaos. Yes. I think. And the idea is that everything's everything's got really colorful lettering. Everything's kind of goopy and messy. And everything is about kind of the adult world is orderly and children exist to destroy it. And that's just factually accurate. But they decided <laughs> to sort of play that up into yeah. some kind of cartoonish, uh, uh, almost well, heroic sensibility. The, uh, the uh, kids rule, adults drool notion yeah. kind of came to a head around this time. The irony is that and kids tend to drool way more than adults. Well, it depends on the age of the adults, doesn't it? Well, also the age of the kids. Yeah, if, if, when I lose my teeth, I expect to drool quite a bit. Well, you'll find them again. <laughs> uh, but yes, all that uh, launched golly so many careers and yep. spun off a lot of shows. Um, it had, um, and Keenan and Kel... Mm -hmm. had their own show and they both got their start on all that yeah then they had the Keenan and Kel mm -hmm. show but we're talking uh, this is obviously Keenan Thompson who is probably best known today as he is the longest uh, he's had his run on Saturday Night Live as an actor is longer than anyone else's I think it's like 19 seasons uh, right now he started in 2003 so it's like 18 19 so, yeah. seasons now for Keenan Thompson Keenan Thompson is yeah, yeah the, and he's the, very very funny apparently uh, his audition for Saturday Night Live the person he beat for the audition, Kel Mitchell. Oh, Kel Mitchell Kel. was his co-star in Keenan and Kel. They were a comedy duo. They were a teen comedy duo. They were they were the uh, Abbott and Costello of my age demographic, basically. <laughs> um, and they're very very funny. Uh, Kel Mitchell never quite had the the successful comedy career like that Keenan well, Thompson uh... did in terms of like just ongoing success. Yeah. He had some other hits. He was in Mystery Men, which wasn't a huge hit, but is a cult favorite. 
Uh, he was, uh, he actually did a lot of TV. He did. Uh, he was like, he guested on a lot of TV. He had played himself on a lot of, uh, a lot of shows, yeah. uh, along with, uh, another, all that co-star Nick Cannon, mm-hmm. who's gone on to like host game shows and has, you know, been in a few movies. Just, they, they're, they continue to work. Oh yeah. All of these people. Yeah. He was on and Dancing they, with the Stars. I, get, I think he hosted a reality TV show about rescue animals. Yeah. Kel Mitchell did yeah. a lot of voice work and, yeah. uh, Not, nominated for an Emmy or two, I think for that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, they're, they're yeah. all doing, they're uh, doing fine, but Keenan Thompson, Keenan Thompson had like the bigger like well, he, he face S- forward he has SNL he, yeah. he was the uh, the title character in the Fat Albert film which I didn't see no I missed uh, that one too yeah um, so in any case the the movie Good Burger is spins off of a recurring sketch uh, from that original sketch comedy series that takes this, place at a burger joint. And this was about the time when Nickelodeon movies were just starting to become a thing. Was this the first? This um, wasn't the first Nickelodeon movie. I think Harriet the Spy was the first Nickelodeon movie. I think you movie. might be right, but there were only up. a couple. Um, Nickelodeon was just starting to make movies. MTV was just starting to make movies. Yeah, Harriet the Spy came out in 1996. That was the first Nickelodeon feature film. Okay. Uh, which was seemed late in the game because Nickelodeon had been around since like the early 80s. Yeah. Same with MTV. They only started making movies in the mid-90s. I think Joe's Apartment was the first MTV Joe's film. Joe's Apartment was the first MTV one. And then mm-hmm. they, they ended up doing Varsity Blues, which is also from the director of Good Burger. Yeah. Brian and, Robbins, and, I think, yeah. Uh, Brian Robbins, and indeed yeah. uh, one of the actors in Good Burger uh, plays a role in Varsity Blues. Yeah, so there's been a crossover um, there. Yeah, then they did uh, like the Rugrats movie, Snow Day, uh, yeah. another Rugrats movie. Yeah. Uh, I saw Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Um, mm. I didn't see Clock Stoppers, which I probably should because it's directed by Jonathan Frakes from yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, it's practically Star Trek, if you think about it. <laughs> um, they've, so Nickelodeon's had, Nickelodeon's had a bit of a spotty history uh, mm. in movies, but they've always been, and, and, and honestly, they're not all for me, but kudos to them for this. They've always been about catering to sp- younger kids. These are well, always that, movies for younger demographics. If adults don't like them, they don't care. These are movies for kids who are just starting to understand that they've outgrown something. Yes. That that there's there's a, a level of entertainment that mm. is now too kiddie for them, and they're looking forward for the first time. There's a name for that, and the name is Doug. 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 The, the animated series Doug, which was on oh. Nickelodeon. Again, was ex- have Nickelodeon. Nickelo- like okay, Doug. when when Nickelodeon started to get their own like original like animated content, like Ren and Stimpy, Ren and Stimpy was their big breakout hit. Yeah. But Doug that, was also that, a very successful the, and, series, and Rugrats as well. Yeah, but, Doug but, was also a very successful series. Yeah. Doug was about God, I think middle schoolers, freshmen in high school at the oldest, mm-hmm. and it was about inc- and I know the show has its fans. Mm-hmm. I'm about to piss you off. <laughs> Doug, Doug is Doug exists for that sweet spot between. Uh, I'm too old for kid stuff, but I'm I I still want to watch cartoons and I don't actually have any like actual meaningful like storylines or anything. Because mm. Doug is just mayonnaise on toast. That's it's just a that's dull all. Show. It's it's Vaseline. That's all it is. It has its purposes, mm. but I wouldn't I I wouldn't consume it on the regular. Uh, for me, Doug, uh, Hey Arnold, and Recess are the same show. Uh, they they all sort of entered my consciousness yeah. at the same time. I, I, I think Recess, from my limited experience with it, was that a bit more of a rebellious attitude I kind of was I, down for. I, I'm familiar with Recess because all of these shows had movies as well. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I saw the Recess movie. Yeah. I didn't see the Hey Arnold movie or the Doug's first I, movie. I did appreciate that the Recess's, um, I think it was a catchphrase, This Womps. Like instead of of this sucks, you say, this womps. This womps, like womp womp. (laughs) That's a fun way to say that. I like that one. Uh, But yeah, right into the middle of of this little pop culture bomb comes Good Burger. Uh, They pulled it out of all that. They decided to make a feature film. Uh, I'm not familiar with all that, but Mm. judging by this movie, I'm guessing it was a very loose show. Yeah, I think it's very Where it felt a little bit shabby by design. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's true of Good Burger. Good Burger oh, yeah. feels like the people who are in it are the ones who are making it, and they're kind of making it on the fly. Like, yeah. it's professionally made. Right. But it's not super slick. Here's A lot of the t- comedy isn't quite tight, and I think that's deliberate. I think that's part of the charm. I, I have this... Okay, so I've seen Good Burger. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of a fan of Good Burger. I don't think mm-hmm. everything about the movie works, but I think it's charming and creative, and it's, it's okay for most kids. A couple of things are dated, but mostly it's fine. Um, this, you, this is all new to you. Uh, yeah. If I were to describe Good Burger, mm-hmm. it would be thus. Uh, it's a Marx Brothers movie if it stars Zeppo and Harpo. <laughs> Chico wrote the screenplay uh-huh. and Groucho directed. 
Like, it's just that kind of, like, just, we love little joyous chaos, but it's not going to be very well organized. There's going to be some wordplay, but we have a, it's just a straight man and a wacky guy, oh, well, and we don't actually have a whole dynamic going. The, the, the straight man and the wacky guy thing just has me going back to Famous Company Duo. So I was thinking right. more of, of, you know, Abbott and Costello. Right, but Abbott and uh, Costello didn't have, like, the kind of odd surrealist bent this occasionally does. I, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, Keenan... Thompson plays the straight man character and uh, his story begins when, uh, and this is sort of the plot of the movie. Yeah. Uh, He's driving. He's 16 years old. He's a new, he's 15. He doesn't have his license yet. Oh, okay. So he has his learner's permit. He's driving and he gets into an accident with Sinbad who plays a a, a fancy man. He has a wig and a fancy shirt and an expensive car. uh, And he uh, runs into the car because of something that Cal Mitchell does. And, uh, has to uh, now owes Sinbad a bunch of money to, to, yeah. to repair the damage in the car. This is on the first day of summer break, mm-hmm. and Keenan Thompson, who is thoroughly ready to just enjoy his summer vacation, now has to get gasp a summer, a summer job. job. Uh, I watched this uh, portion of this film with a friend of mine, uh, and she pointed out that in previous generations, there were a lot of kids' films or films for younger people that were very specifically about vocation. Yeah. About having a summer job, about where you work for the first time. Yeah, working at a pizza place, working at a restaurant. That seems to be less common, the sort of quirks of the teenage workplace. Well, I think, in my experience, like, there's a lot of people who are, like, uncomfortable letting, you know, young people enter the workplace that age. Yeah. You know, because it's it's a a place of great exploitation and dead-end jobs. This is true, and, and, you know, this is just the age I am, but I did start working at age 15. I got my first first wage slave job i got paid four dollars and 25 cents an hour oh my god that was the minimum wage when i started working oh yeah. cool yeah i could afford a lot yeah like french fries for lunch Ooh. and just french fries <laughs> speaking of french fries for lunch kel mitchell plays the star employee at good burger yeah uh which we we looked it up it's actually a, a now a mexican joint called peter's el loco out in uh, west covina uh, but Good Burger is a, a well-meaning, well-run place. It's a mom and with, pop, yeah, little mom and pop joint. burger joint. Yeah. And uh, Kel Mitchell he plays a character named Ed. Uh, Ed lives for Good Burger. Yeah, he sleeps in his Good Burger uniform, even that little paper hat. Yeah, he showers in it. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> my favorite, maybe my favorite joke in the movie, and this is this this is unfortunate because it's like the second joke in the film. Oh. It opens with Ed having a dream about like burgers talking to him, mm. and it's kind of cute. It kind of reminds you of the burger scene in Better Off Dead, but with like less fancy animation. Yeah. Um, well, they're, they're they're puppets. They're yeah, little, little puppet animated. Yeah, puppets that are like composited and animated. Uh, and and I'm willing to bet Savage Steve Holland was an influence on everyone making this movie. Oh, but, yeah, for uh, sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, but uh, he wakes up and there's that scene in the movie, you know, a lot of movies wake up, open with like someone like waking up, realizing they're late for work or whatever mm-hmm. and they have to run to Back to the Future is kind of like this. Um, Ed wakes up, his alarm is going off, mm-hmm. he picks up the clock, looks at the time and says, Whoa! A clock! <laughs> like he's surprised that it's a clock. He's not. He's not reacting to the time. He's reacting to the fact that he's seeing a clock, which is such a good meta joke because we know this bit. We've seen this. even a kid knows this bit. Like we we yeah, understand man. this enough that we can make fun of it. But honestly, I just I just cackled really loud. And there's a couple of really great bits in that movie, but I think that's the funniest joke to me. It just got me right away. Good Burger actually has like a, a, a few notable howlers in it. Um, yeah. But uh, he, Ed gets on his roller skates and goes down to Good Burger, where he gets to say the catchphrase. Welcome to Good uh, Burger, home of the Good home Burger. Home of the Can't Good Burger, kind of take your order. And uh, Ed is is an idiot, like mm-hmm. a cliche idiot comic character stereotype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've seen this type of character before, but Ed has the advantage of also being incredibly pure and good-hearted. Yeah. He, he has sort of an Ernest P. Worrell quality to him. He's, he's, not, he's not like... <sighs> I don't know. I would be very curious to see someone who actually knows like a lot about psychology to try to just sort of pick apart because he feels a little haphazard. Like there isn't necessarily a lot of logic in everything that he does, like no. psychologically. But I'm curious yes. if we could figure out like exactly what makes Ed tick the, because the, he's, jo- he's the not... joke is that he's he's not absorbing. Uh, he absorbs maybe like ten to fifteen percent of reality. Yeah, but he's excited about what he's getting, and he's always good natured about yeah. it, and he never wants to hurt anybody, and he's always very friendly and. 
honestly, every single thing he does is super duper charming. Even like the things that I should roll my eyes at, Kel Mitchell manages to make adorable. Like there's a bit where they're talking to the plot is there's a bigger burger joint opening across the street. It's going to put him out of business. The Mondo, plot of, yeah, Mondo burger. It's a plot of used cars. It's a plot of a million other things. Um, and, uh, the owner of that burger joint comes over to tell Good Burger, you guys are going out of business. And uh, he tells Ed, you better watch your butt. And Ed's like, okay. And he starts trying to like, like look, look around and crane look his, his neck behind him. And he starts turning around and around and around and around. And somehow, and that's a stupid joke. Yeah. Kel makes that cute. <laughs> Maybe it's not hilarious, but he makes it like, you, I actually genuinely believe it's not that like a Ed wanted to make a, that work. It's not like a moment of like gifted physical comedy but no. uh it, it is a, a good dumb joke it's a good silly joke and you yeah, believe and the, that the character would actually try it uh meanwhile uh keenan who his character is uh, uh dexter. dexter dexter uh he's he's a little bit more of a, a hustler type he wants to make money because he has to pay off yeah uh sinbad so he is He's he's the Chico character, yeah, because that was somebody. Chico's shtick. He was always I guess hustling, he was, was always trying trying to make a than a, a Zeppo. Yeah. But uh, but he, what happens is the only way that they can compete with this restaurant across the street that sells like much bigger burgers for much cheaper price is that uh, turns out Ed makes a secret sauce. He has a secret sauce recipe, which which is a joke on. I think it was McDonald's had the secret sauce. Oh yeah, special, the, they call it special sauce. The special sauce. It it's Thousand Island dressing. It was Thousand Island dressing, but yeah, yeah they, they, they called it, it they called it special sauce. And they yeah. there was there was a while where they con- considered it like a, a big uh, mystery. You're never going to tell yeah. you what the special sauce it, is. It's, it's Thousand Island dressing. Yeah, yeah, you uh, feel the secret sauce. You sleep with the fish fillet. It, it's, uh, it's Thousand Island dressing. Thousand Island. Um, that, that was a joke in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, uh-huh. where uh, uh, they were training a new. Uh, knew him higher at the fast food restaurant. Judge Reinhold, wasn't it? Judge Reinhold yeah. was yeah, training the new guys. Like, and, and here's where we keep our special sauce. Oh, yeah, what is it? Thousand Island dressing. Oh, yeah, over at ours, it was just mayo. Was like, <laughs> well, my favorite joke uh, of that is actually there's an episode of The Simpsons where Grandpa Simpson tried to, like, go back into the workforce, and he worked at Krusty Burger, and he had, like, that, like, stereotypical teen with, like, the, the cracking voice the as his boss. It was like, we need more secret sauce! Put this mayonnaise out in the sun! <laughs> basically where we're at anyway Ed's secret sauce is so delicious that they're actually able to sell burgers again better than ever before because people just think they taste really really good and I remember thinking to myself every single time I've watched this movie it's really weird that this, the recipe for Ed's secret sauce is never revealed like you, I keep thinking you're gonna find out it's like gross like, or, like he, put, he puts like a guinea pig in it or, or something. Like boogers. Or, I don't know. Some real gross. Sneezes on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe there's like some really rare ingredient that only grows in his backyard. Like something is going to come of this. No, he's just good at making sauce. Like it's, that's not the point at all. The point is he makes really, really good sauce. And now the, the big mean burger joint across the street will do anything to destroy them and, and vice versa. But meanwhile, the big mean burger joint across the street, their gimmick is that their burgers are larger. Huge. Uh, and in fact, they've been using illegal growth hormones. To, <laughs> there's a, a, a conveyor belt before the burger patties get cooked in this big machine. And they're just like, they have this gigantic syringe and they're putting a big drop of this growth serum on the, the beef that's already a patty. Yeah. Like, they're not growing cows larger. No, 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 it's only after fat. They, they drop yeah. it on on the beef patties, and that makes them grow in the oven. Yeah. That, I'm not sure that's... that's, that's it's not, not like that's, a hormone. That's no. some sort of weird chemical thing, I suppose. It's probably still not good for you. Well, it's not good for you regardless. Well, I suppose that's technically <laughs> true. I apologize. Um, yeah. And yeah, mean, the, meanwhile... So uh, the the yeah. bad guys try to infiltrate Good Burger to steal the secret sauce. Yeah. Uh... Gross food was a big part of Nickelodeon, wasn't it? There Gross was a food is a part of childhood, I think. Yeah. When you're a kid and you don't have like a sophisticated palate, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of children are very adventurous with yeah. their food, um, you tend to only like a few things, and almost anything seems gross. Yeah. Even, I, if, uh, even if as an adult it seems cool, like as a child it'd be like, carbonara. Like, no, it's all of the, You like everything in that. <laughs> everything in that you like. Uh, it, are you familiar with Perry Grip? I probably brought up Perry Grip on the show before. I've I have a young son; he's six, and I'm not uh, familiar so, with Perry Grip. so we we are familiar with the hot uh, children's music musicians. I'm not uh, familiar with Perry Grip. Perry Grip uh, used to be in the band Nerf Herder, and uh, because he is uh, inheritor of a tulip fortune, or no, it's an orchid fortune. He and his sister hmm. run like an orchid farm. Oh. 
and they have this gigantic amount of money, so he Random. has this wonderful outlet to make children's music. Cool. And he makes these really high-energy electronic dance hits based around kids' foods, nachos, tacos, okay. peanut butter cookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are all insidious earworms. You've probably <laughs> heard It's Raining Tacos. No. Oh, okay. That's that's almost a crossover hit. Like okay. it's it's been mentioned in popular culture. Well, I'm reminded of like the But early... yeah, all all of these are food based and you know <laughs> macaroni and cheese and dipping things in ranch. I'm, I'm reminded of the early early albums of Weird Al Yankovic where mm-hmm. like half the gags were food based. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and it's just food's kinda funny. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of funny names in food. A lot of it's like kinda like fun and squishy or like messy or bright and colorful like it's there's a lot you can get out of food yeah. if you have a very if you're not going for something super sophisticated I, I love when as a critic we can compare a film to food yeah if you were to compare good burger mm-hmm. to food like what 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 food evokes what burgers besides burgers i mean like besides burgers because i picture a bag of skittles when i'm thinking okay. about good burger <laughs> Good Burger is a, a, a bag of candy. Like, it's a yeah. little too sweet. Like, it makes your spit hurt a little bit because it's a little too sweet. No, Good Burger is a bag of Halloween candy. Like, it's got a lot of everything in it. You okay. know? But, like, it will it will make yeah. your teeth hurt. Like, it's probably not yeah. good to ingest it all in one uh, go. Good Burger has a few subplots with some side characters. The mm. plot goes in a really weird locations. Yeah. Uh, eventually, uh, Dexter and Ed are committed to an insane asylum, which yep. is called, like, St. Demented's Insane Asylum. It's yeah. not a very sensitive portrayal of mental illness. No, it is uh, not. There are some cute bits in it, though. Yeah. I like, um, I like, uh, uh, Linda Cardellini makes her feature film debut in this film. Yeah, and she, she, was, she looks like a teenager, but she was already in her yeah. early 20s at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think she'd always, I think she'd done some TV, but, uh, mm-hmm. this is, like, her big feature debut, and she's got a small role as someone who's going to be, like, Ed's kind of love interest for a couple of scenes, mm-hmm. where she talks about how, like, aliens landed in her head and told her to release all the kangaroos from the zoo. She sells it. She does. She is, she, like... Yeah, you can tell, it, like, it watching is, it, like, she's she's a big deal. Now, Linda Cardellini did have a hit TV show. It only lasted one season. She was on Freaks and Geeks. Uh, uh, yeah. And, um... Still celebrated to this day. A lot of people so, love that show, yeah. I And I feel like... She had she had the stuff to be a much bigger movie star than she yeah. was. She was also in those Scooby Doo movies, which were not good, but they, they were made, hits. They made money. Yeah, they made a lot of money. Yeah, and it. lately, almost every time I see her, she's playing like someone's spouse. She, like yeah, in she's Green like Book. the wife or the mom. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really it's frustrating. Kind of Nondescript. Even that horror movie she headlined, The Curse of La Llorona, like she's good in it. The movie's not good. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, I, Sadly, for a, a twist of fate, she didn't have an even better career than she. She's it's not pretty, too late. Pretty it's not good too late. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, she'll get like a better breakout yeah. role sometime. She's not too late. She's still yeah. she's still a little older than us, but not much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, she she's really great in this like f- these few scenes she has in this asylum. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather recognizable inmate in the asylum is George Clinton in a really yeah. weird cameo. They have to they have to stage a breakout, and in order to distract the guards, uh, Ed starts like a dance number. To a George Clinton song, and George Clinton just happens to be there, like you do. Um, just we've, dre- dressed like George Clinton. It's also worth noting that here for a lot of this, a lot of this, the dance number, the car chase that follows, throwing out of people throwing each other out of windows. This is a great gag where um, oh the like, window gag. There's a great gag yeah. where uh, they're they're trapped on the second floor and like they have to convince like another inmate at the asylum to like throw a chair through a window so they can jump out of it. So the guy throws a chair through a window. Uh, Keenan jumps out of it. Uh, Abe Vigoda <laughs> jumps out of it. And then Ed says goodbye to that guy and jumps through a different window, breaking the glass with his face. Yeah, yeah. That's a very funny joke. That's but yeah, a, Abe Vigoda. That's a gag from Top Secret. There's yeah. a bit where um, the, the resistance fighters are being beset by the Nazi army. I'll describe Top Secret another time. Top Secret is a but, genius uh, film. If you've never <laughs> seen it, it's so damn funny. But there's there's that g- bit where um, they use the muzzle of the gun to like break through a little pane of glass and yeah. start shooting at the people outside. Yeah. And there's a, a bit where somebody goes up to a window and all of the panes of glass are broken but one. And he has to break the last <laughs> one to shoot through yeah. it. So many just fun, funny gags in that yeah. movie. But, but yeah, yeah Abe Vigoda is their big get. Like a- Sinbad a- was, Sinbad was a rising star. He was still like well, a pretty. Had... He was kind of big, but uh, Abe Vigoda was their like legendary actor who agreed to be in this movie. Yeah, well, I think, and I think it was one of those things. Well, hey, 
what if we could get Abe Vigoda? <laughs> and they probably like wrote a really nice letter. He's like, well, just pay me. I'll show up. You know, I'm an actor. Yeah. Uh, I've read I've read scripts had... in like development where there's like supposed to be like this person will be played by someone famous. Oh. <laughs> like just just whoever we can get for the for the sake of argument we'll say Abe Vigoda, but it'll be someone recognizable and it'll be funny. I, I heard some interviews with the people who made Freakazoid, one of one of the better cartoon shows in the 1990s, and uh, they wanted Jonathan Harris from Lost in Space on their show, like, ah. uh, like in a regular role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. And they, they drafted this gigantic letter about how much they love him and how much they, they like the characters he played, but they also love him as just a person. And they were really trying to, like, sweet-talk him because they knew that, like, getting him to play these cartoon voices was beneath him. And he showed up. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go to the opening of a post office. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm an actor, Dad. I'll, I'll just take the job. Just pay, like, I'm flattered, thank you, hmm. but just just pay me and I'm, so, I'll be so, good. Yeah. So yeah, Jonathan Harris has a regular role on yeah. Freakazoid because they hired him and that's all they yeah. needed to do. <laughs> so anyway, Ava Goda's in this and he's game. He's funny. Hmm. He's legitimately funny in this. Ava Goda, it was, uh, there's, there's a joke in this about whether or not he died. Uh, Ava Goda was he, was, he was an actor who like most people didn't know about until like the 70s when he was already pretty old. Yeah, like he, he was, was never like he was never like a teen heartthrob who got older. Like he was an older actor who's introduced people at most people as an older actor. Mm-hmm. Um and he started on some hit TV shows. Was was Fish? Was that the, the one he was well, in? Barney Miller, and then he got his own series, Fish. Okay, cool. Um multiple times, and this is before Twitter made this a regular occurrence, he was the victim of fake reports of his death. Like people reported that Abe Vigoda died and Abe Vigoda had to do a public appearance to prove he wasn't dead. It happened like three times. Now, nowadays, that's nothing that happens on Twitter all the time. At the time, it was weird. Abe Vigoda died in his 90s in 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 2016. Yeah. And people didn't believe it. People didn't believe it. It's like he's 94. Is he? Okay, let's substantiate this. Before we start spreading it around. Oh, he is dead. Okay, that's sad. That is sad. It's very sad. So rest in peace, Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda, you damn champion. What, they, a, they what had, a great guy. But they had a few other gets as well. Mm. Uh, in, in cameo roles, they had Carmen Electra. Oh, yeah. Who uh, was... She, she like, played, guest star du jour. She was guested in a lot of movies and yeah, TV shows. She, she was in like two, the opening scene of Scary Movie around this yeah, time. Yeah. And uh, she, uh, she plays a woman who is hired by Mondo Burger to try to trick... Uh, Ed into giving her the the secret sauce recipe. Well, she tries so she's to, being she tries to seduce Ed, and Ed is completely oblivious to the concept of seduction. So he, she, she, they go to like a double date on like a mini golf course, and she's like, "Ed, wouldn't you rather stay here with me than go play putt putt golf?" And Ed's like, "No, no, I want to play golf. <laughs> I want to play golf. I'm a kid. What are you doing here? What, what do you look at when you see my face?" I see the big bump on your head from where the golf ball hit yeah, you. Ed, Ed accidentally like hits her in the head with a golf club. And there's something that like under normal circumstances that would be kind of horrific. Like, But because the movie is a cartoon and because we know she's evil. Yeah. She's not like, they're not like blackmailing her, or, like holding her family hostage. And, like she's some poor person. Like, she, no, she's no, no, she's, a, she, she's yeah. an evil person. And ultimately even though at the end of the thing she's like you know on crutches and everything like that the gag is she'll be fine she'll we be know fine, she'll be fine. And, and i'll say this for for carmen electra she's yeah. actually devoted to the slapstick she knows her, she, she throws, knows her gig she throws herself around she falls over well and uh, that that takes a talent mm-hmm. uh, they also had a cameo by shaquille o'neal okay this is actually a really cute bit uh-huh. i actually really like this bit because the whole thing is now that the hamburgers are really successful a lot of people want them, and there's a basketball game nearby. And Ed and Dexter are uh, told to deliver burgers to Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal on the Lakers yet at that point? I think so. I'm not sure, though. Um, I, I don't know that, but I think he was. Yeah, um, regardless, Shaq is playing himself. They deliver burgers to Shaq in the locker room after a big game. And it's really, really cute because yeah, they're... He, he had just moved to the Lakers in yeah. '96. Keenan, Keenan and Kel are acting like they're just excited that they get to meet Shaq. Yeah. Like, it's not about, like, humiliating Shaq. It's not about getting Shaq to act. It's just, oh, my God, we got Shaq in the movie. We love Shaq. They just love Shaq so much. 
Shaquille O'Neal is an interesting figure. I bet a lot of younger people know him from like later on in his career. Like you've heard about his legendary basketball career commercials, but you probably you probably know him more from like Adam Sandler movies or what was that? What was that uh, old like basketball stars in old age makeup playing basketball movie that came out a couple years ago? Oh, like um, Uncle Uncle. Uncle Steve, I forgot what it was. Yeah, whatever. Like he's he's he does like a fair amount of acting in air quotes. Uh, like he, no, he does not. Um, in <laughs> fact, in this in this movie, he has one scene where he's supposed to play himself and he acts badly. I so. will say this: there's one there's one movie because we we make fun of Shaq's acting because I don't even think Shaq thinks he's a great actor. I'd be very surprised. Like Uncle Drew, Uncle Drew is the thing yeah. I was thinking of. Shaq, you know, he was in Kazam. Kazam is not a good movie. He was in Steel. Steel is a well-intentioned movie. It's not a good movie. He was also in Blue Chips, and Blue Chips is a good movie. It's a William Friedkin movie. It's a William Friedkin movie starring Nick Nolte as, like, I think he's, is he, like, a coach? Or is he, like, a... a I think he's a coach, yeah. yeah. He, he, he's in college basketball, and he's recruiting Shaq, and it's all about... Um, it's all, it, all the players are leaving because they're getting, like, it's all about money now, and nobody yeah. wants to play the game well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Shaq plays basically himself. Mm. Um, and Shaq's quite good in it. William Friedkin knew how to get a good performance out of Shaq. It's mm. not stretching the limits of his range, but it's not always easy to play a version of yourself, and that's a good Shaq movie. So as much crap as Shaq sometimes gets as an actor, let us not forget that Blue Chips is actually pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh, this this scene right there is actually like... It's like Keenan and Kel when they were like at Nickelodeon, and they're like, okay, we're going to give you your own movie. What do you want? Okay, well, we want a million dollars. Okay, that's to share, though. And they're like, okay, fine. We want to drive a hamburger car. And they're like, all right, we can make that happen. We want Abe Vigoda. Okay. Okay. If we get you Abe Vigoda, will you let the hostages go? (laughs) And we want to meet Shaq. Like, in the movie? Yeah, we can put it in the movie. (laughs) Like, that's the vibe. That's the vibe. It just feels like we just want to... One of the things I like about Good Burger is that it really does feel like the young people in the cast got some say into what happened in it. Like, I don't know how actual loose the filmmakers were and how uh, how much in- input Keenan and Kel had, but it does feel like it was made with a kid's sensibility. Well, it was made by the same writers and directors of all that. So yeah. they, they were used to working with the cast. Yeah. They knew the flavor of the humor. Uh, they were just sort of working on a bigger scale. Yeah. Um, I imagine uh, the transition of watching all that and then watching Good Burger is probably really similar to watching a Saturday Night Live film or, or the Brain, Blues Brothers Brain or something. Candy movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, that's the, the Kids at the Hall movie. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so it, it's, it's the same style of humor, but it... It's bigger and slicker. Yeah. The thing is, you watch Kids in the Hall. I mean, that's a bigger show, and there's a lot yeah. of... You know, and the fun. movie is especially better. And, and the movie is so slick and stylish, like, it actually looks and looks more like a movie. Yeah. That it almost feels wrong for the type of humor that they're used to doing. Yeah. I'm used to sort of that, like, even sitcom lighting and the laugh track. Yeah. When you take that away, it feels really dark. Yeah. That... that I really like Brain Candy. I'm one of the few, but... Uh, yeah, I like stuff in Brain Candy, but it, it doesn't... It, Brain Candy, even though it's got the same cast, even though some of the bits are really, really funny, mm-hmm. the fact that it's got... It's not one character or... Sca- in fact, very few characters from the show even appear in it. Mm-hmm. It's not just the, one character they, one who gets char- their own story. The character they carried over was their least favorite, like, most offensive character. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. But, like... Um, the, the typical idea when they do a uh, movie based on a sketch comedy show is uh, you take one of the more interesting characters mm. and make them the protagonist. The Blues Brothers and Coneheads. Yeah, or Wayne's, or Wayne's World, World yeah. or, or Stuart Saves His Family is a weird example, but it is one. Mm. Even it's Pat. Yeah, and like these, and again, because that's that's pretty straightforward. These characters have their own perspectives, their own little worlds. The problem is some of these are very one note characters, and giving okay. them a feature film often stretches the joke really, really thin. <laughs> it's Pat, uh, but uh, regardless, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. With Kids in the Hall, they just got the ensemble together to tell a story in a kind of a Kids in the Hall way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like Kids in the Hall at all. Well, it, it does, and it, 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 it does, and it does. Like, it feels like their humor. It just doesn't feel like the show. Exactly. Uh, Where, whereas yes, even Monty we, Python, it just feels like, okay, if Monty Python did the Holy King Grail, Arthur, yeah. and we could do the whole, that, if we did that one sketch, okay, but let's do the whole sketch as a whole movie. 
that works. We can, I get we can, you, we you can do there. a lot with King Arthur. Let's just yeah, do a film. Let's about do all the everything we uh, can think of on that subject. Boom. Uh, Good Burger, because it feels so shabby, as I described it earlier, yeah. I bet the transition is a lot less jarring. Like, the slickness mm-hmm. might be something to get used to. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, think, I, I think all that was, well, I mean, uh, was broadcast that, live. I think, yeah, I think it was, like, on a soundstage. Or it was, stage, or was so filmed live, it was, like, Saturday. It's got, it's got more of a fake equality, mm-hmm. whereas this is actually, like, on, like, real sets and mm-hmm. things. But I, I, re- I saw enough of the show to think mm-hmm. to myself, this is fine. Okay. Um... There's uh, what? What are your other favorite bits in the movie? Um, at the end, when the meat explodes, that really made me laugh. Yeah, there's uh, a bit yeah, where the I, meat explodes. <laughs> they put too much growth hormone in. Oh no! And, and that turns little tiny burger patties into really big burger patties that explode. I I re I was really really hoping that it would turn the burgers into a meat man, <laughs> like a giant just, like, yeah, like like there's a a thirty foot beef monster that yeah. they have to fight and then then of course ed drinks the growth hormone and has to fight it godzilla style i have a theory that that was in the script but they ran out of money it's entirely possible they couldn't yeah. they couldn't come up with the beef suit you know, on time yeah uh but yeah i, I liked it, it's a lot of like little gags there's a bit where uh, ed is outside uh taking his break and a dog runs up and barks and he kind of looks at the dog in the face and says, Four clowns? Oh, no! Well, he's, like, like, it's, he's like, what is it, boy? And he's like, there are four clowns, and their car is broken down. Oh, no! And Dexter's like, you can't talk to dogs. And then after the end of a very long scene, we cut to four clowns and a broken down car. Where is that dog? <laughs> it's a good payoff to that, good yeah, that, that little bit. It's a good joke. It's a little setup, a little payoff. Everyone had a good time. Well, just a lot of the absurd little things that that Ed does because yeah. Ed is Ed is a pretty funny character and I think Kel plays him well. Uh, and, it's and weird it's, to me that Kel. Sorry, go ahead. Well, like like the clock bit really made me yeah. laugh. Uh, there's a bit at the end where he's triumphant and everybody's chanting his name, Ed, Ed, and every time they say Ed, he says what? Ed, what? Ed, what? <laughs> It's cute, weird. cute, cute little bits like yeah. that. Ed's approach to the world, sort of his mm-hmm. his innocence, is is very appealing as a comic character. He's a very broad comic character, uh, and I find him endlessly charming. And a lot of that is just because of Kel Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Keenan Thompson, I think, gets his due as a comedic actor. I think largely because he has this big legacy on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. He, but he's also been in a lot of other movies and things. And I just feel like, even though Kel continuously works. We don't give enough respect to Kel in the Keenan and Kel <laughs> universe. I was watching this and it's like it's weird to me in a way, if you think about it. Not not no this is not a hint of disrespect to Keenan Thompson, who's incredibly funny. But in this movie, he's a straight man. Yeah. He's the one who is just he has some jokes. He, he's funny, but he's supposed to just sort of anchor the storyline and be the more believable character, while Kel Mitchell gets to be wild and wacky and have most of the great lines. And all the credit in the world goes to Keenan Thompson because that's actually hard to do, to be that yielding hmm. as an actor, to give the other actor that much space uh, to do what they do without trying to like take back the spotlight for yourself, to understand what your job in that dynamic. But it's so weird to me that Kel isn't the famous one. Yeah. In a way, because it's I, I was thinking about this, we were watching this, and I was like, this would be like if you watched Ace Ventura Pet Detective, yeah, this, which was, is, this is a good, uh, good yeah, analogy. Like, Ace Repetitive, which was Jim Carrey's big breakout live-action movie role. He'd been in movies before, but this is his big, like, oh my god, he's gonna be a big star. Mm-hmm. Um, problematic film in a lot of ways, but a breakout character people thought it was really, really funny at the time. Mm-hmm. And Courtney Cox plays the straight person role, where mm-hmm. she's just there to, like, anchor the story, give mm-hmm. him material to work off of, and, give him something to talk and to. she's also the, the eventually the love interest. Eventually the love interest, but that's incidental to my analogy here. But imagine if you watched Ace Ventura Pet Detective, and then it turned out that Jim Carrey kept working, but never really got super famous. But Courtney Cox became like a legendary comedian who was on Saturday Night Live for 20 years. Well, she was on Friends. But, she was on uh, Friends, I guess. But okay, maybe that's a bad <coughs> example. But like, regardless, but she wasn't listening to like the funny one. You know? they, weren't they all the funny one on Friends? Uh, I didn't well, watch I didn't, Friends. No, but, I wouldn't uh... say no. <laughs> okay, you're right. It isn't a very good example. Right. Maybe it's it's you're right. It's I, not the example I, I, I thought. You know what? Actually, you're 100 percent right. It's not the example I thought it was. She, she was a gigantic TV. She star, was a gigantic. Yeah. She was a gigantic comedy star as well, which is yeah, why the thing. Yeah. But regardless, like it's still the, he's the breakout character here. Well, and he, I just it kind of bums me out that we didn't get so much more here, of him in like yeah. these kinds of wacky roles because he's very funny. He's very funny, but here's the issue: he's also very grating. And he has a funny really? he has a funny voice that he's always he's always at the same pitch. Uh-huh. And it's easy to watch this film and say, I'm I it's I can see why someone wouldn't like Ed. 
because of you know his voice and his shtick. His shtick is it, it's an old shtick. You know, mm-hmm. we're comparing him to Luke Costello for goodness sake. Yeah. Uh, this is something that a lot of comedians of the past have tapped into. I think he does it well. Yeah. And I like the character, but I can also see how people would tire of that shtick, would tire of Ed as a character, mm-hmm. would be, grow impatient with sort of the the dumb gags. But but can't you say that for almost almost any like comedic actor? Yeah. Who has like a big long history of like starring in comedic movies? They they often have some kind of shtick that they're particularly good at. Like Adam Sandler for many years was the guy who was like prone to sudden random bouts of anger, mm. and then he became something else. But like that was initially his shtick. Or Will Ferrell is like the sort of the man child, yeah, kind of character. And yeah, I, the, I find the, most non non self aware man. Yeah, and like I've, there are a few like Will Ferrell is a good example where like. There's a few Will Ferrell movies that I find un, just incredibly funny, like Anchorman. Okay. But there's also Will Ferrell movies where he's doing nothing different, mm. but I find it absolutely insufferable. And I think that's really? not that's not Will Ferrell's fault. He's doing what he's paid to do here, and I'm just really like, tell Kel to do something else if that's what, what you want. Like, mm. you know, like, and, and, well, and even though, like, Ferrell, people still pay. Like, Will Ferrell is a great example because, yeah, about... about 75% of the time I find Will Ferrell's shtick to be completely insufferable. And I don't like his characters. I don't want to watch his characters. The mm-hmm. the I'm going to take my shirt off for comedic effect shtick mm-hmm. ran very thin very quickly. Like, I get it. You're not muscular. It's very like, funny. You know, do you, do you, he, he has a wife. Surely she finds him attractive. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I so, uh, yeah anyway. Uh, yeah. So I, but I can I can see how someone might find Ed to be an incredibly grating character. I bet I might, and, I might and especially if you were used to the character already on the show, uh-huh. and he's just doing the same shtick again in the movie. Maybe that's too tired for some people. Uh, but I don't know. Mike Myers got to have a career after Wayne's World came out. That was the mm. same character. I, my point is this: I just I see your point. Mm. I just feel like one could arguably say that about any comedian who has a shtick. But their shtick, like Jim Varney had a shtick. That shtick was not for everybody. That shtick was frequently mocked. And he had a couple of good movies. But even after people genuinely thought the Ernest P. Worrell character was kind of played out, he he still sold tickets. Like they were still making well, the strength of DVD movies at least. And, you know? and Ernest P. Worrell is another one where I actually am fond of the Ernest P. Worrell character. I think yeah. he's made... Made like two and a half good films, like the, uh, like Ernest goes to camp, Ernest saves Christmas, and Ernest goes to jail. Like those are the three. Yeah, like the, those three are okay comedies. Yeah, like, er, um, I think Ernest saves Christmas is quite good. The, the same. Well, actually, actually, er, actually, Ernest scared stupid is not great, but good bits. <laughs> has, yeah, has some it's some really good, good bits in it. it. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, fil- films five through nine were not good, but yeah. uh, Ernest P. Worrell is also a character a lot of people hated. They didn't like that shtick. I just thought he was really annoying, and I think mm. this is something that we perhaps should consider about uh, Ed as a character. Mm. Why why Kel didn't take off? Why Good Burger wasn't what? a larger hit? Because people don't like him, and I, I think don't... it's okay for people to not like him. Of course it is. I just don't. Just understand. it's okay I... for people not to like Ernest. I don't see what the invisible just... line is where Ernest gets to make eight movies and Kel doesn't. Like I don't mm. understand. Like some people won't like him. Some people don't like Daniel Day Lewis. That doesn't I, mean maybe it was just because Good Burger was a little bit too much of a, a niche of sale. Maybe uh, Ernest P. Worrell, if you recall, was created before the movies. Uh, true. Uh, he was created as like sort of a a, a, a franchise pitchman. Yeah. For whatever business you got, brilliant business model. Yeah. Uh, like just we, we're, we, we're going to we... create a funny character that will sell whatever product you have. He's not associated with anything. He's just the character who's going to sell stuff. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Jim Varney came up with this character along with John Cherry mm-hmm. and they started making commercials together. He sold Sprite. He, he went, he sold for Cerritos Auto Square in California and then he got the movies. Yeah. Uh, all that didn't quite have that same imprimatur. It was a niche kids sketch comedy show that was on a cable network. Not any, not everybody had seen it. It was just popular enough to get a movie through Paramount uh, they had just had kind of a big hit with Harriet the Spy, so they yeah. decided to try another one of their properties. There weren't a lot of people that were going to be snagged going in. But why mm. Why would a commercial spokesperson be seen as that much more of a draw? Because everybody saw him. 
no matter where you lived in the country, you saw Ernest P. Worrell. You were familiar with the character going in. People aren't familiar with Good Burger. Not as many as were familiar with Ernest. That's my point. I, I guess. I so, guess. I get, my point is this. I so think Ernest Hell goes, was funny, and I wish he had Ernest a Goes career. to Camp was a big hit, I think, because mm. a, a, it cost like $50 to make. Yeah. And it made well, like... Good Burger wasn't and expensive it made, either. Let me look at let me look up let me look up the financials on Goodberg. Just, just so we can get some sense of context here. But uh but yeah, I, I think because Ernest was <clears throat> kind of a little bit more of a visible character, a lot more people were willing to go see the movie. Uh yeah. all that was I'm not gonna call it a cult show, but it, it did have sort of a smaller audience. Right. Good Burger cost eight point five million dollars to make, and it made twenty three point mm-hmm. seven, which is not incredible, but it's about three times what it cost. That's mm-hmm. considered a successful film. Yeah. Um, obviously not a huge hit, not what they would have wanted, but now, okay. But now look up Ernest I'm, Goes to Camp. I'm looking up Ernest yeah. Goes to Camp right now. Okay. Ernest Goes to Camp, 1987, bada bing, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, it cost, okay. Er, it cost, <laughs> it made the same amount of money. It oh. made about $23.5 million. A decade earlier. <laughs> a, de- a decade earlier. And it only cost 3.5. Yeah. So that's a bigger success. That's a ju- I'll that, grant you. It's like a Good humongous, Burger could have yeah. been made for cheaper. I suppose so. Cooper, you didn't have to spend. You didn't have to have like Kel Mitchell do a song with less than Jake. <laughs> you know, you, you, didn't, you didn't need to spend the money on less than. This Jake. was 1997. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the I do like the Good Burger theme song. Uh, We're all dudes mm. because the entire song is about how the word dude is gender neutral, and I think that's just kind of cute. <laughs> Well, that's a cute thing to write a song about. It's a cute about. thing to write a and song about. Also, like we're, 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 we're from Southern California. Yes. It, it's not just gender neutral. It's an all-purpose word. Yeah. It's just... it's it's That, it's, that dog I saw on the street is dude. The, yeah. The, the tree I bumped into is dude. Yeah. It's, it's as ubiquitous as the word the, like or yeah, the. Yeah. Like, it's, it's less so now, but it's, we still use bit, it now. It's a little bit of an, emphasis, you know, an emphasizing word. I, I don't uh, notice like, how much I say the word dude, but I say the word dude rather it, often. We say we say dude. It's just part yeah. of part of our patois, Southern Californians. Yeah. Our dude-toi. Do, our dude-toi. <laughs> uh, say dude, don't say bro, because bro is, is gender-specific. It is. It is relatively gender-specific. Dude is it's, gender-neutral, and I will, I will call any any man, any woman, and anybody in between dude. As a gender neutral term, and you will have, and you will have uh, Kel Mitchell's song with less than Jake right. to back you up. If anyone says, "Hey, wait a minute," I'm a dude. You're a dude. She's a dude. He's a dude. We're all dudes. Well, let me play you this song. Let's get Kel. the horn section. I have less than Jake on my side. Ah, <laughs> uh, don't who, don't let Scar happen to you. They should just have like a band called Jake. Well, Jake is is a a slang term meaning a good feeling. Like I know, like, but it's also heard, a name. Like, you haven't heard somebody say, I'm, I'm feeling Jake. I know, I know, I know. What I'm saying is that you should, if you had a band called Jake. Okay. It would be like, well, we're better than less than Jake. <laughs> by a, by definition. That, that reminds me of a Norm MacDonald joke. Okay. Topping the, topping the indie charts. The, this is my Norm MacDonald impersonation. Topping the indie charts this week. Better than Ezra. At number two, Ezra. See, it's kind yeah. of funny. There's a, there's a joke there. There's a joke there. Yeah. Um. Anyway, last thoughts on Good Burger before we before we call it a night. I, I, th- I think I've said everything. Yeah. Um, I I was. But you were, you, this of, was new to you. So this like, was new to you, me. Yeah. I, I, it was good to go back and sort of relive that uh, that wave of Nickelodeon. Uh, Nickelodeon has always had a little bit of an impish sensibility, and I've always appreciated it. Uh, it's clearly for younger kids, but mm. it feels a little bit naughty, especially when you are young. Yeah. And Good Burger, at least to a kid, might feel like you're getting away with something. Mm-hmm. It feels like something you shouldn't be seeing in theaters. It's owned by Paramount. It's a big corporate product. But yeah. uh, it, it feels like uh, something that slipped in amongst the blockbusters mm-hmm. and filled its plate before anybody really noticed, before it got kicked out of the buffet. It feels like they actually asked kids what they wanted to see in a movie. Yeah. And and I think they listened. And I, I like this movie a lot. I saw this movie around the time it came out. It's a little it was a little old for the time, but I was in that like sweet spot when you're a teenager when you're like, eh, kid stuff, even though secretly you're like, I like kid stuff a lot. Actually, uh, you, I watch Batman every like, day. Like, I don't you, you kid stuff, but you're still seeing it all. Yeah, like you're still watching, watching it all and like you may you're 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 trying to like act more above it than you actually are. Um but you know you're absorbing it on sort of a different level and you're yeah. appreciating sort of the production of it. Um, yeah. in high school I I tried to get my friends and uh to watch the this brand new thing called Power Rangers 
Because it, uh, to me, it, it was like this big kind of Godzilla knockoff thing. Sure. I, I thought it was just going to vanish forever. I know. Power like, Rangers is still around. Weird. It's been around it for th- wasn't a fad. No, it's been around for 30 friggin' years. That's how I feel about Pokemon. Like, seriously, how is Pokemon not Pokemon, a fad? That's a fad. Pokemon Every, games and Pokemon so movies. Weird. And they're all successful I, still. I'm happy for everyone who loves it. I have no complaints about it. I'm not, I'm not, but it just feels like it, it's a sort of thing that would have been a fad, right? right. Um... Pokemon but, also started in, I think, in 97. Around right? the time, yeah, yeah. yeah. The So, at the time, I was, like, kind of, eh, and then, like, like 15 years later, they had, like, a midnight screening here in L.A. Mm. of Good Burger. And a lot of people showed up for it, and I showed up for it just because I was, like, with friends who wanted to go see it. Mm. And I was like, this is a good midnight movie! <laughs> this is a cute, weird little movie with a lot of amusing moments a lot of surreal humor. A l- not not quite weird enough for my taste. No, but, no, but, it's, but it's kids. It's, it's weird for kids. It's taking a lot of cues from Better Off Dead, and yeah. uh, and Better Off Dead is a much weirder film. Much weirder film. Yeah. But regardless, is that it's it still feels like this feels like a good gateway for younger kids into weirder comedy. Yeah, like if you if like okay, you liked Good Burger. Okay, cool. Now I can show you Monty Python. Now I'm going to like show you like maybe something yeah, with a like, little bit more edge to you it. Like, a more... You like you like Good Burger at age nine. You'll like Better Off Dead at age thirteen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think it's got a good cult movie vibe. I think it holds up reasonably well. Obviously, it's a relic of its time, but you can still just enjoy it. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, I, I'm always happy to see that this one mostly holds up. A few okay. things about it have aged poorly, but overall, it's a cute film. Mm. Um. And that is Good Burger. Thank you, everybody, on our Patreon mm-hmm. who voted for it. We have a new poll on yeah. our Patreon page right now. We do indeed. Uh, William, what service are we going to? The, the, our shtick is we choose a service. Every every Because we don't want to have the same service over and over again, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that people who have maybe subscriptions to different services, and maybe if you, can, if can you don't... watch along. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch Netflix, but I do have Amazon Prime. Well, we're going from Netflix to Amazon Prime, so... We decided to take a look at the musicals section on Amazon Prime Video. These are the movies on Amazon that if you have the subscription, you don't have to pay extra for them. They have a lot more stuff if you're willing to pay a few extra bucks for it, but this is the stuff that just comes with the service. And the musicals that we are doing are, in no particular order, The Pajama Game, which I believe is a Doris Day film? Yes. Okay. Uh, Damn Yankees, which I believe is a Yankees film. Yes, it's about Yankees. It's it's about the baseball team. Cool. Uh, Blue Hawaii, which I know is an Elvis film. Yes. And Pal Joey, which I believe is about young kangaroos. I, I was looking at Pal Joey. It's um, who did the music for Pal Joey? Is it Rogers and Hart? No, let me look up. Pal it's a Frank Joey. Sinatra film. Uh, Frank Sinatra's in the movie, but it, yeah. it was it was a musical first. Yeah, and uh, uh, we we'll we'll have slightly more, not maybe not detail, but we'll have a little bit more information about the plot of these yeah, so on it was, the it was Patreon. Roger, I, I got it right. It was Rogers and Hart. Okay, so yeah, whichever one of those films our uh, patrons vote for over the course of the weekend, that's what we'll review on the next episode of Critically Reclaimed. So, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe. Uh, if you want to. Uh, vote for future episodes of Critically Reclaimed and get a lot of bonus material. We have a lot of exclusive podcasts over at our Patreon page. You can head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We have podcasts based uh, on every single episode of Star Trek. We're working our way through the entire Star Trek canon. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a podcast dedicated to every single episode of the live-action 1960s Batman series. We have a podcast dedicated to commentary tracks, every single film ever nominated for an Academy Award. We did the entire series of Firefly. We did a whole long series based on uh, movies that aren't on Disney+, Plus but should be. Uh, a whole list of, uh, a whole bunch of podcasts about made-for-TV movies and miniseries. There's a lot there. Yeah. And a lot of it's available. Like, the, the moment you enter in any given tier, there's a ton of it that just unlocks. It, it blooms like a flower. <laughs> Uh, so thank you everybody, especially to our patrons without whom our shows would not exist. And, uh, if you want to talk about Good Burger or anything else we may have missed, uh, we also have a way for you to do that. It's called We've Got Mail. It's our podcast. It's a weekly podcast in which Whitney and I answer emails from our listeners. We answer questions. We respond to critiques, uh, anything you want, really. Uh, and you can email us at our email address, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. 
Once again, that is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We also have a P.O. box for those who like snail mail. You can send us some snails. I love snails. Uh, send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Whitney has another podcast. Don't forget to plug it. I have another podcast. Uh, it, it used to be weekly. It's gone down to monthly, uh, just because we're busy people. Mm-hmm. But uh, B. Peterson and I uh, are on All About Ovid. That is a podcast devoted to Ovid, the mm-hmm. streaming service, which is... The uh, Deep Cut Art House streaming service. They have uh, a lot of really uh, movies from all over the world, a lot of international cinema, and uh, a lot of things from like recent years, as well as a few classics, a lot of exclusive stuff, a lot of dance movies. Hmm. Uh, really, A lot of really, really, really good stuff on Ovid. And uh, hmm. B and I get together and we talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and our last episode, uh, episode number 20, we talked about uh, Hubo's An Elephant Sitting Still is one of the best films of 2018 if not one of the best films of the decade and uh it's this four hour long litany of misery and depression <laughs> we compare it to the book of job it's excellent nice uh and we talk about uh hubo's other short films besides uh it's available where you find that podcast all about ovid with all o's yes o-l-l-o-b-o about ovid uh isn't that cute it's the least googleable thing as your friend, I have notes about the title. But in any case, it, it was it please was, check out this podcast. It's it was fun. B's idea, but I wholeheartedly yeah. approved. So okay. uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And you know, know. it's a fun show. Please, please listen to the show. It's I, really, really good. And keep an eye out on yeah. my social media because I'm working on another radio drama, and that'll be ah, available be pretty fun. soon. So. I would. He, I, I got to listen to a little bit of a clip before mm-hmm. we started recording. It's really good. You're gonna enjoy it. Um, okay, anyway, that's it for Critically Reclaimed this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. The podcast is over. Goodbye. Goodbye.